Adnan Syed is a free man. Baltimore City State's Attorney Marilyn Mosby dropped all charges against Syed yesterday in the death of his former girlfriend, Heyman Lee, in 1999. I'm Damian Willis, and this is The Reporter's Notebook from the Las Cruces Sun News, a podcast in which we attempt to pull back the curtain on our reporting process while diving deeper into some of the biggest stories of the week. In this week's episode, we're talking to former Sun News reporter Bethany Raja, who was Bethany Freudenthal when she worked as a public safety and breaking news reporter at the Sun News. She now works as a city hall reporter for WYPR in Baltimore. We're talking about Adnan Syed, whose case first rose to prominence because of the first season of the serial podcast. First, a little history. Eight years after the shaky case against Adnan Syed became the center of the hit podcast Serial, prosecutors said last Tuesday that DNA evidence suggests Syed is innocent and murder charges against him have been dropped. Syed was previously convicted in the 1999 killing of Heyman Lee, his ex-girlfriend, and served about two decades in jail before the state's attorney's office in Baltimore asked a judge to vacate the conviction in September. At the time, the office said Syed could still be retried for Lee's death. But the state has now dropped its case against Syed altogether, according to Emily Whitty, a spokesperson for the office. This week, we're honored to be joined by Bethany, who will talk about her reporting, why this case matters to her personally, and how she has covered it as a reporter. First, Bethany, thanks for uh, for joining us today. You're welcome. It's great to be back. Yeah, it's uh, it's good to catch up uh, even for a little bit, you know, have, have you back with us. Absolutely. I miss covering Las Cruces news. For this story, let's just kind of start by talking about Adnan Syed's case, just for the benefit of those who may not have listened to Serial if such people even exist (laughs) or uh, may not have followed it very closely, you know, in the seven years or so since it came out, what can you tell us about how he was arrested and tried? Sure. Um, Adnan Syed was a Pakistani uh, high school student at Woodlawn High School in Catonsville. Um, Catonsville is in the county of Baltimore County, and then there's Baltimore City. So there are two different entities, and it's about 15 minutes away, 15, it's a 15, 20 minute drive. Kind of a a suburb. The two places. Correct. Correct. And it's Catonsville and Woodlawn are kind of like they're two separate towns, but they're kind, they kind of all meld together. And I actually live in Catonsville currently. And so he was a student at Woodlawn High School and um, he uh, met this girl, Heyman Lee, and she was also a student and they dated for a while. And eventually um, they broke up, but I guess their breakup was mutual. I mean, it was friendly. It was not, I don't. Right. I don't it, w- it was fairly I don't get, amicable. Correct. I don't get the sense that that they were like upset with each other or anything over the breakup. And so then Heyman Lee was murdered. She was last seen alive on January 13th, 1999. And Adnan Syed was eventually accused 
of the murder. There were two trials and he was sentenced to life in prison. And he has maintained throughout throughout this ordeal, Syed has maintained his innocence and the community, um, the Muslim community, the Pakistani community has really stood behind him as being innocent. Also, he was a well-liked student at Woodlawn High School. He was very studious. He was a football player uh, and I generally uh, just it, it generally sounds like he was a, just a really good kid and his family was a really good family also. And they had a great rep- they have a great reputation still. And in Pakistani communities, having a good reputation is everything. <laughs> so right. um, nobody believed at all that he was the one who killed Heyman Lee. And I guess we can leave it at that. <laughs> you, you did say right there now. were you did say there were two trials. What happened in the first one? Was he convicted and then it overturned on appeal and he had to face another trial or was there a mistrial in the first one or how did that shake down? It was a mistrial. So the first trial was a mistrial. It was a, a six day trial and it was a mistrial. Uh, on the sixth day, Judge Quarles and Syed's um, attorney had a disagreement. And despite the white noise machine, members of the audience and crucially the jury overheard the disagreement. And so that led um, to, to basically the judge. To jury nullification. Correct. And gotcha. then his second that trial started on December 8th, 1999. And then the second trial started January 21st, 2000. Okay. And his attorney's name was Maria Christina Gutierrez. And uh, she'll, she certainly comes up as a major factor later on. In the second trial, Syed was sentenced to life in prison plus 30 years in the strangling of Lee, who was 18 at the time of her death. Her body was found, as, as you mentioned, weeks after her death, buried in a Baltimore park. And throughout, uh, Syed has maintained his innocence since he was first charged with the crime when he was 17 years old. He was originally convicted when he was 18. Bethany, talk a little bit about how you came to report on this story, you know, now more than 20 years later. Sure. So when I left Las Cruces, I transferred with USA Today, with the USA Today Network um, to Newport, Rhode Island. And I met my husband the day after I moved. And um, (laughs) so we got married and we lived in Rhode Island for like a year. And he's originally from the Catonsville Woodlawn area. And so um, I ended up getting a job at the NPR member station out here, uh, WYPR, covering City Hall, which includes courts and and police, of course. So we moved out here in June, at the end of June, and I came. I didn't really know much about this case. I vaguely remember when I, I first met my husband, him discussing it with me briefly briefly um and so i just i hadn't listened to serial <laughs> um i don't listen to very many podcasts so i i hadn't listened to serial so there really, really are anything. some people out there who exist 
Yes, yes, I I was one of them. And and so um, a week before the hearing on September 19th, I uh, benched it read. No, I read in the in the paper that they were vac- moving to vacate, that the city state's attorney's office was moving to vacate his sentence. And I was like, that's interesting. And then um, I didn't know I was going to be covering it. And then the day of the trial, I got assigned the story, not the trial, the hearing, the day of the hearing, I got assigned the story and I talked to my husband about it a little bit because they were in high school uh, together, but they weren't friends. So I wanted to make sure there was no conflict of interest. And so we, I decided with my husband and I, I, I made sure with my boss, with my uh, news director that it was okay that I covered it also because I was like, Hey, they knew each other. They went to school together. They didn't hang out. They weren't friends. So I went down there at 2 PM, which, well, I was down there by noon and I had no idea, no idea what a huge story this was. (laughs) I suppose it became real apparent uh, the minute you got to the courthouse. It did. And I'd listened to the podcast on like in the, I'd listened to serial the morning of the hearing. And by the time I got to to the courthouse, I was like, wow. Okay. (laughs) I, I literally didn't know. So that was, that was intriguing, but I mean, I'm a breaking news journalist. I have been a breaking news crimes and courts journalist for almost 10 years now And I'm used to not knowing what I'm covering uh, until it happens. And so that just was not unusual to me at all. (laughs) I imagine when you arrived at the courthouse, uh, the scene was probably very different than what you expected, just with the amount of media that was around. Sure. Like I got there two hours early and I'm really new here. And so I didn't know, like I I had to be on a list in order to get into the media section of the hearing. And so that was, there was some issue with me not being on the list and I eventually was able to work that out. And so then I walked into the courtroom and it was packed. There were almost no seats left. And I was like, okay, I've been in completely packed courtrooms before. That's not new. But what was new is I saw people like me in the courtroom. For those who don't know, I am a Muslim revert and I wear a hijab. And I've been a revert since 2011. And I reverted in my hometown of Anchorage. And so there was a budding Muslim community in Anchorage. And it wasn't unusual to see other hijabis out and about or other Muslims out and about. And then I I moved to Roswell, New Mexico to start my journalism career as the crime courts breaking news and education reporter there. And I think the entire time I lived in Roswell, two years, I only saw one other uh, woman wearing hijab one time. Yeah. And yeah, I, so I totally been, believe like, it. Right. I've been in many of the places I've worked. It's rural, small town America. I have been the only hijabi woman 
And then Las Cruces was a little bit different because there's a community there. And so it was nice. It was it was definitely nice to have that Muslim community in Las Cruces. I appreciated that. But nobody was a journalist. Nobody uh, covered trials. Nobody uh, went. No other Muslim woman was at all of the crime scenes in Las Cruces. So when I got into the courtroom for the Adnan Syed hearing on on September 19th, it was a stunning moment for me. It, it was really stunning because there were it was packed with my people <laughs> and there were other women wearing hijab and it almost took my breath away a little bit. And it was definitely a moment. It was definitely a moment that I won't ever forget. And so I made my way over to the press area and I had all my gear, all my um, audio gear. And let me preface this by saying in Maryland courts, you can't record. So I just had my stuff with me um, so that I could get everything afterwards. Outside the courthouse. Outside the courthouse. And so the community, like I said, the community is pretty small and I walked a lot of people, the, the community is pretty small. A lot of, you know, everybody knows everybody type of thing, uh, but it's bigger than where I have been. <laughs> that makes sense. And so I had all my gear and I walked over to where the press was stationed and I could kind of feel the eyes of other, the other hijabi women. Who is she? We haven't seen her before. Why is she sitting where the press is? And that's the impression that I had. And I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't really say anything. I just sat there with my notebook and my pen waiting for everything to start. And so that was a moment in and of itself. And then when his family came in to the courtroom, that took my breath away also. It, it really, it was definitely, it's even hard to talk about it now. <laughs> but when, when Syed's, the Syeds came in, I sensed a lot of sadness and also a lot of hope. So, um, oh, and I should say, Marilyn Mosby and her team there were like three rows of benches. It was a pretty large courtroom. And Marilyn Mosby was sitting at the edge of the first bench in the middle. And the press was on the farthest right. And so I uh, walked in and our eyes locked. And I said, I said, uh, hi. And she said, hey. <laughs> and we'll uh, get to talking a little bit about her and her role in this case in just a few minutes, because uh, it really is a critical one. So let's fast forward a little bit. And you talked about the Syed family's hope, you know, that detectable sense of hope that certainly paid off in the long run. What happened, you know, through the course of the hearing? Sure. Heyman Lee's uh, family attorney was there. And he asked if he if he could address the court and Judge Melissa Finn, she's a, she was the circuit court judge who oversaw the hearing, gave permission for his attorney, the young the Lee's attorney, Steve Kelly, to address the court. And Kelly said, well, they were asking for an ex a seven day extension because the Lee family who now lives in California wanted to come out here. 
and they wanted to be present during this hearing. And he said that they were not informed of the hearing prior to it happening. And so there ended up being like a 30 minute recess because the, uh, the judge wanted to talk to Mr. Lee. And so, but he was at work. So it took a minute to get uh, him on the phone. And he said, he basically said that, that his family wasn't informed and that they wanted to be there and that this is opening up uh, old wounds and it's extremely difficult to be going through this again. And the city state's attorney's office said, well, we did inform you guys and they had proof of that. And so the judge basically said that uh, the Lee family could attend the hearing through Zoom. And so that's what happened next. Then after that, Adnan walks in and the courtroom, there was a stillness in the courtroom, a silence. Uh, and, and that's not unusual But Adnan walked in and my first impression of him was, wow, he's tall, but he also looked very humble at the same time. And so he walked in and he was wearing uh, he his um, hands were shackled and his feet were shackled and he was wearing dark blue trousers, a white shirt, and it looked like a blue and white kufi on his head. And he had he was carrying one of those expandable uh, file holders and he was clutching that and it looked pretty thick. It was, he was clutching that in his arms and everybody's eyes were on him as four guards walked him to his seat. And they did take, I believe they took the shackles off of his hands after he sat down and the hearing began. And ultimately he, the, as we mentioned, the sentence was vacated. Correct. The sentence was overturned due to a Brady law violation. And so basically a Brady law violation is statute in the states. The prosecuting attorneys have to divulge all the evidence to the defense for a trial, even if that information helps the defense. Especially and if it's uh, exculpatory. Correct. Correct. It's called exculpatory evidence. And basically, this hearing came about because there had been a year-long investigation into Syed's case. And Marilyn Mosby, who's the city state's attorney, uh, she's pretty radical in a lot of her policies. And one thing that she has done, uh, this is she's currently serving her second term. And one thing that she had done was she created a sentencing review board within her unit that board looks into juvenile lifers life sentences and so that's what had happened here um that's, that's what, why that's we what were prompted at, the review that's what prompted the review well syed's attorney erica Souter, who who's a uh, heads up the innocence project here in, in maryland actually as soon as the sentencing review unit was created brought syed's case to the prosecutor's office And so that review board had looked into everything involving his case for a year prior to the hearing on September 19th. And basically what they found is that the prosecution failed to tell the defense that there were two other possible suspects 
one of the suspects apparently had threatened Heyman Lee saying, I am going to kill you. I'm going to make you disappear. The other suspect had a history of violence against women. And that's and was, really all we know about them. Uh, we don't know their identities at this point, right? We do not know their identities at this point. Now, talk to us a little bit about Marilyn Mosby and her role in this case. She's she's up for re-election, right? Nope. No, she's not. Marilyn Mosby has a lot of really progressive ideas on how the prosecutor's office should be run. Uh, and they're very controversial uh, in Baltimore amongst certain people. Uh, for instance, she doesn't she doesn't prosecute low level crimes anymore. And that's been that's been a concern for many citizens uh, in Baltimore City. And she's very focused on a trauma informed response to certain crimes, if that makes sense. So she's very informed or she's really um, focused on trauma informed response to certain crimes. And that's also been pretty controversial, but you might actually recognize her name because Mosby, who was the youngest ever uh state's attorney or prosecuting attorney which is or district attorney <laughs> which yeah, is all different names but she was the youngest uh city state's attorney in the united states to ever be elected and she prosecuted the police officers who were involved in the freddie gray death that's the 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 rough ride in baltimore what about six years ago Five or six years ago, basically, Freddie Gray was um, arrested and thrown in the back of a, a van and then apparently given what cops allegedly internally called a rough ride where he wasn't secured. He was he was handcuffed, but he wasn't he wasn't secured. And so he bounced all around in the back of the van and yes, ended up dying on, from um, his injuries. Right. And that was on April 19th, 2015. And so so she prosecuted those officers involved in that, which was very controversial at the time. So what did she run again this year or was she She primary? She's currently serving her second term and she ran uh, in the primary election and came in last. Uh, She had two other opponents. And so Mosby is she's accused of making false statements and perjuring herself on um mortgage applications basically what she did was she said that she suffered financial hardships during the pandemic in order to access her retirement account and so they charged her with perjury and making false statements um state the federal government charged her with perjury and making false statements on those loan applications and so she's actually facing She's uh, under, under, federal, under federal indictment as we speak under under federal indictment. And interestingly enough, uh, her trial was scheduled to begin September 19th, the day that Adnan Syed was had his conviction overturned. Oh, when she was uh, making news in another way. Now, Correct. it seems like you got tied up in this story rather quickly after that September 19th story that you covered. Tell us what's happened since. Last week, Syed was deemed innocent. And basically what happened was 
Basically, what happened is Mosby sent items of Miss Lee's to get tested for touch DNA. And they were items that had never been tested before. And when the results came back, there was nothing on several of the items, a shirt, skirt, pantyhose. But there was DNA evidence on both of her shoes. And it was multiple contributors on both of her shoes. But Syed was not one of the multiple contributors. And so that's why he was deemed innocent. This morning, I instructed my office to dismiss the criminal case against Adnan Saeed following the completion of a second round of touch DNA testing of items that were never tested before. Those items include skirt, pantyhose, shoes, and jacket of Miss Heyman Lee. Although no DNA was recovered from the skirt, the pantyhose, or jacket swabs, there was a DNA mixture of multiple contributors on both Miss Lee's shoes. The same multiple contributor for both of Miss Lee's shoes. And most compellingly, Adnan Saeed, his DNA was excluded. My office received notice of these results on Friday. This morning, I personally reached out to the victim's attorney to inform Ms. Lee's family of the DNA findings and my decision to dismiss the case. So there was there was no DNA to be found, no DNA of his to be found anywhere on any of those items. Right. There was no DNA. There was no DNA of Syed's found on any of the items that were tested between September 19th and last Friday. And I don't know if we know yet, but is it possible that the DNA that was found matches the additional suspects that we don't know anything about? We do not know anything else other than the fact that Adnan Syed's DNA was not found on any anything belonging to Heyman Lee. Now, beyond the fact that <laughs> you you also have another personal connection to this story that you recently found out about beyond the the fact that your husband went to school and was very loosely acquainted with Adnan, right? Correct. On the day of the hearing, I had a conversation with my husband because I didn't want there to be any conflict of interest in me covering such an important story. And I made sure to ask him, you know, all the questions like, did you know him? Were you close with him? Did you guys hang out? And he was like, well, I knew uh, I knew him, but we never really hung out. And. I was like, okay, so that was good enough for me. And like I said earlier, I did make sure to tell my editors. I have two editors here. I told them, actually, I have three editors here. I was like, hey, guys, so just an FYI, my husband went to Woodlawn High School the same at the same time that Syed went to Woodlawn High School. My husband knew who he was, but they weren't. Yeah, kind of friends past each other in the hall. Correct. And so my editors were like, that's fine. And so then I went there, you know, covered the entire case and or the entire hearing and (laughs) went home and, you know, went through the rest of my work week. And then 
um, it was either Friday or Saturday night. I went to my sister-in-law's house and I was like, Hey, did you hear about this um, case against this guy named Adnan Syed? And he was freed. His case was overturned. And my sister-in-law is like, Oh yeah, we know the Syed family very well. Um, your mother-in-law and his mom are best friends. <laughs> <laughs> And I looked at my husband. I'm like, why didn't you tell me that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's that's kind of pertinent information right now. Exactly. So I immediately told my editors, I was like, hey, so uh, I didn't think to ask about my (laughs) (laughs) mother-in-law. And what did they say? Did they say, well, um, you didn't even know. So uh, I don't I don't suppose it matters. Right. They said I didn't know. And. I personally have, I I did one time my husband and I were out at a shop and he was like, Hey, that's my mom's best friend. And so he went up and talked to her and uh, we chatted, but that that's the only interaction I had with her. And I had no idea that the families were so close and apparently they like used to hang out on the weekends and stuff like the women used to get together and hang out on the weekends and stuff. And I was like, Oh my gosh. So, uh, but you also thought, said that community, the Pakistani community is, is really tight knit. Right. There. Right. Well, I mean, that's how it is most places, but yes, the, the community is tight knit and it's rather large. Like I grew up in Alaska and we had, I thought we had a good sized Pakistani community once I left Alaska, but here to me, it's a really large community, but it probably really isn't. <laughs> and so people know each other. Right. And right. that's just bound to happen. And so this week um, I did, before I covered his innocence announcement, I did make absolutely sure with my bosses that it was okay for me to cover the story And they were like, have you met him? And I said, never. And I told about, I told them about the time I met his mom in the shop, but I didn't know that it was his mom. (laughs) Right. um, And and at that point you knew very little about the case anyway. Right. Right. And uh, my sister-in-law has offered to introduce me to the family, but I have not taken her up on that offer. If, if. And I probably won't. (laughs) I was going to ask. I was going to ask, you know, you do have the possibility of having access to him and the family that other reporters uh, certainly would jump at. And I I wonder why, you know, uh, if you would take advantage of that or, you know, if the opportunity presented itself. If that's something that, you know, you would like to do a story on. I mean, I, I would love to do an extended piece on um, Adnan Syed and his family and Heyman Lee and her family. And I actually had the idea of um, talking to both moms. And of course, I, I would absolutely love to talk to Mr. Syed. But I think that both moms have lost so much in this story and uh, Miss Lee's mother lost her daughter forever in such a horrific way. And Adnan Syed's mom lost her son 
in a different way, but it was still horrific. And I mean, can you imagine like he's completely innocent, yet he's been gone for 23 years. And Heyman Lee's family, do they when they address the court over Zoom, did they do they still feel like Adnan's the one who did it? They did um, on that. I think they did on that day. I can't speak for them, but I think they did on that day. And uh, it just, they just said that it is opening, reopening all of those old wounds. We talked a little bit about what it's like as a Muslim American and as a your experience as a reporter covering this case. Is there anything else that has happened either before or since, you know, that that day in the courthouse that you want to add? Well, I guess uh, when I came home after covering that case, the first thing my husband said was, you're all over Pakistani TikTok. And I was like, what does that even mean? <laughs> He's like, I've seen, I've seen your pictures on uh, TikTok. I was like, okay. And I was like, show me. He's like, I can't find them now. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny. It, and there, then, there was one that you sent me from TikTok of you standing right next to Sarah Koenig who was the host of Serial that made this case so famous. Right. So a couple weeks ago, I guess, um, a Facebook friend of mine, I've never met her. She lives in California. She sent me a message on Facebook and she's like, I saw you covering the Adnan Syed case on TikTok. <laughs> and I was like, really? <laughs> she was like, yeah. I was like, Oh my goodness. Well, do you have a copy? Do you have a copy of that account or do you, did you take a screenshot or anything like that? And she was like, no, but if I find it, I'll send it to you. And a couple of days ago, she found it again and sent it to me. And I was just like, absolutely blown away by that picture. <laughs> the, the expression on all, there was like, Sarah, me, and another uh, male reporter behind me, and the expressions on all of our faces are just so intense. <laughs> yeah, it it was certainly an intense day, and uh, some of the biggest news in the country that day when uh, when it happened. So, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. and um, I I'm glad that my friend, my Facebook friend, found that photo because. It's very, it's a poignant moment. And I think that it's, I'm wearing my press pat, a little sticker that it says press. And I think it's very poignant for um, the Muslim community. Like even this Muslim community here in the Catonsville Woodlawn area, but also like the Muslim community in America as a whole to see a hijabi wearing reporter covering such an important case to our community nationally like this case touched so many people nationally and so many people in the muslim community nationally because it could very well be any one of our husbands any one of our fathers any one of our sons and so i think that that picture just 
says a lot. And I feel like I, I'm I'm a humble person. And so I feel kind of odd that it was me. Like, I love the picture. I, I really love the picture. But at the same time, it's kind of like, oh, my gosh, how many people have seen that picture of me? How many people have seen that TikTok of me? Um, out there that day uh, in my hijab covering the moment when Adnan Syed was able to walk out of uh, the courtroom after 23 years. You said that uh, you were in the courtroom when when the shackles were released. But what and you seem to indicate that it was a, a really emotional moment, certainly for everyone in the courtroom, including you. What was that moment like? I still get emotional thinking about it yeah that's I, i'm trying to make you cry <laughs> oh, okay well i'm cheering up right now and you know i have been a courts reporter for almost a decade i've been a crime reporter for almost a decade i've sat through so many trials so many hearings i've talked to numerous families of murder victims and other heinous crimes and i have never teared up at work ever and the moment Judge Finn said, remove his shackles, I couldn't help it. I teared up. I teared up in court. And, you know, you know, as a reporter, sometimes I think you feel kind of outside the community because you have to be, you can't, you have to be objective. And I think at that moment, like, my job didn't really matter anymore my position in life didn't matter anymore. I felt a part of the community. And when the judge said that there were cheers in the courtroom and then silence and I could, he was on the far left-hand side, so I couldn't really see, but I could hear the guards releasing him from his shackles and I could hear the clanking of the metal and it totally took my breath away as a human and as a Muslim before myself as a reporter. It it took my breath away. And I, I was thinking about my husband. I was thinking about my stepson. I was thinking about my brothers, my brother-in-laws. I have many brother-in-laws now and nephews. And what if it had been them? What if it had been my husband? What if it had been my uh, adorable nephew? Um, what if it had been my brother? And really, in the Muslim community, we're all family. And we call each other brother. And we call each other sister. And we say, when we greet each other, we say, Assalamu alaikum, sister, or Assalamu alaikum, brother. So, in a sense, Adnan Syed is my brother. He's my brother. And he experienced this huge injustice for 23 years. Right. Right. Moving. I'm crying now, Damien. Good. <laughs> it's, it's good for writings. <laughs> I'm, I'm just giving you a hard time. Moving, moving forward, um, what are you going to be looking for as you pursue this story? What's next? Um, I think. So basically, like after the hearing on September 19th, Heyman Lee's family filed an appeal with the attorney general's office. And so um, there's 
stuff happening with that since he since he's been cleared and then there's also the certification of innocence um, that he'll have to uh, his attorney and Marilyn Mosby will be working together I guess to file that uh, certification of innocence uh, as quickly as possible and they've said that uh, his family doesn't really want to make any statements and that he doesn't really want to make any statements right now to the press and I'll respect that. After the shackles were removed, to be clear, it, it, he did he walk out the back door of the courtroom just like everybody else and out onto the courthouse steps? He walked out. So basically, like, they had us leave in a orderly fashion. So all the media got to leave first and... Uh, when I went into the courtroom that day, like there was one other, there was one cameraman uh, setting up outside and I didn't see anybody else. But by the time I, but by the time it was over, there was like TV cameras everywhere on the street. And I was like, oh goodness. And so uh, we were waiting for a press conference that Mosby had uh, following the hearing and then we were waiting for him to come out also and so mosby came out first and she immediately started her hearing and i'm so bummed because i was standing in front like right i was standing front and center of the courthouse doors and the steps and i was like this is going to be i'm going to get a great picture of him but then when she came out everybody moved towards the press conference and she got like maybe two, three sentences out and then Adnan comes out. And so everybody, like all the press, there was <laughs> cheers and all the press just runs back to where they were standing before. And I didn't, I'm like this short little five, one girl. And um, I, I just, uh, I almost got trampled. I was getting pushed and shoved and I was not, comfortable and so i was trying to like do my best to get a picture so he he came out everybody cheered the press like booked it to where he was and he walked through all of us got into a a car and drove off without saying anything he didn't but he had a huge smile on his face One last thing, with Mosby on her way out, where do the prospects stand in bringing new charges against Adnan Syed? Um, I don't think at this point there will be. Um, That was a question that was at. Mosby had a press conference the other day when he was deemed innocent. And she repeatedly said, it's done. His case is done. It's over. There can't be any other charges so you know i've been around the legal system long enough to know that surprises happen sure Uh, but uh as for now adnan sayed's case is done Hmm. madam state's attorney is he completely free or is there an appeal still hanging over his head i've utilized my power and discretion to dismiss the case there's no more appeal it's moot so that appeal just goes away the case is it's over. The case is over. The case is over. The court is special. He cannot. What do you want to add that we haven't already discussed? I do want to say that 
last week when I wrote the spot, the radio spot after Mosby's um, press conference, I wrote the words Adnan Syed is a free man. And I just sat there for a minute staring at those words on my screen and it was a poignant moment. I I think that that's the strongest lead I've ever written in my journalism career. And I think it's probably one of the most important leads that I've written in my journalism career. And when I heard it on the radio, I, I didn't have to say that part. It was the intro. Was the, so the host intro, uh, but I teared up when I did the edit. Adnan Syed is a free man. And said those words, Adnan Syed is a free man. I, I choked up. Adnan Syed is a free man. And then when I heard that spot on the radio the next day, it, it just, it was powerful for me as a writer to have been given the gift to write those words. Adnan Syed is a free man. Six words. Yeah, six words. The six, the six most powerful words I've ever written as a journalist. Adnan Syed is a free man. He's free. Anything else, Bethany? Adnan Syed's family isn't the only family who has experienced injustice in this. And I think that the community knows that and they they want the true justice. They want justice for Heyman Lee. Heyman Lee deserves justice. Heyman Lee's family deserves justice. And I can't imagine how the Lees are feeling about all of this because for the past 25 years um, or so, he was their suspect. He was the one that did this. Yeah, he, he was the face behind this crime. He was the one who was responsible. And they had Absolutely. they had that closure. And they, as you've mentioned, they, you've sat through um, hundreds, if not thousands of trials and, and court hearings. Um, and you know how there can be some closure at the end. Um, nearly every family always says that, you know, it, it's nice, but it doesn't bring them back. It's a measure of justice, right? It's not. I mean, it'll ne- they'll never have complete justice because their loved one is gone in a heinous manner. But it's a measure of justice, and so I can't even imagine what having the Lee having that is. kind of ripped away from you, right? And so I, I really feel for the Lees also because they don't have that anymore and i can't imagine the turmoil that it's caused uh in that family to know that the wrong person was convicted of miss lee's uh, homicide thank you so much bethany for your time today thanks for having me we also have a newsletter sharing reporter stories about well about how we report stories You can find all of our stories and the rest of our reporting in the Las Cruces Sun News. A huge thanks goes out to Bethany Raja, formerly Bethany Freudenthal, for joining us this week. 
You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and many of the places you find your favorite podcasts. This has been the Reporter's Notebook from the Las Cruces Sun News. I'm your host, Damian Willis. This week's podcast was written and produced by me. Thanks to WYPR in Baltimore for the additional audio heard in this episode. You can also find all our local reporting brought to you daily by reporters who live and work in Las Cruces at www.lcsun-news.com. For all of us at The Sun News, thank you for the privilege of your time.